Don't look up. That's the important thing. So who just did? And who now really wants to? But you didn't before. Well, Don't Look Up is the name of a recently released film that I enjoyed on Netflix. Has anyone seen that? A few people. Well, a group of scientists discover a huge meteor in space, and it's on a catastrophic collision with Earth. And as the story unfolds, there are those that believe this disaster is going to happen. The meteor will strike. But there are those who believe that it will not. And there are those that seek to actually take advantage of this desperately, well, it's going to be a disastrous situation. And incredibly, there's even a character who thinks that both arguments, the meteor will strike and the meteor won't strike, uh, should both be accepted. And so the story goes on and comes to its ultimate end. And the final truth is is revealed. And uh, if you've got Netflix, I would recommend it. I don't think I've given too many spoilers there. But today we come to the end of our Upside Down Kingdom series. We've looked over the last few weeks at Jesus' teaching, which is often in this section of Matthew referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And we've seen, actually, how Jesus has taught against what seems common wisdom for both society as a whole and for individuals. So, for instance, loving our enemies, not storing treasure on earth, not worrying about tomorrow and the future. And today, we're looking at the last piece of this upside-down teaching. And I would like to suggest that we find in this last section some warnings, actually. They're warnings. Warnings from Jesus given to us in the form of three pictures. And as was um, so well illustrated, I thought, uh, at the start of our service this morning, things are more difficult upside-down generally speaking. And there are probably some things you should stick to uh, just doing the easy way. And I'd probably say there are some things like eating a lemon like that that you probably don't want to even try at all. (laughs) But there we go. Um, But in this last section of Jesus' talking, uh, Jesus' teaching, the the more difficult way, the upside-down way, if you like, is revealed as ultimately better. Let's have a look at this reading. It's taken from Matthew 7 and verse 13. Um, But the version that you are going to hear it in is the contemporary English version. I think this is a really, um, well, it's 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 got a bit of a flow to it, and it's quite a nice version. But you might want to follow in your NIV as well. Go in through the narrow gate. The gate to destruction is wide. And the road that leads there is easy to follow. A lot of people go through that gate. But the gate to life is very narrow. The road that leads there is so hard to follow that only a few people find it. Watch out for false prophets. 
They dress up like sheep, but inside they are wolves who have come to attack you. You can tell what they are by what they do. No one picks grapes or figs from thorn bushes. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Every tree that produces bad fruit will be chopped down and burned. You can tell who the false prophets are by their deeds. Not everyone who calls me their Lord will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who obey my Father in heaven will get in. On the day of judgment, many people will call me their Lord. They will say, we preached in your name, and in your name we forced out demons and worked many miracles. But I will tell them, I will have nothing to do with you. Get out of my sight, you evil people. Anyone who hears and obeys these teachings of mine is like a wise person who built a house on solid rock. Rain poured down, rivers flooded, and wind beat against that house. But it did not fall, because it was built on solid rock. Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey them is like a foolish person who built his house on sand. The rain poured down, the rivers flooded, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Finally, it fell with a crash. When Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were surprised at his teaching. He taught them like someone with authority, and not like their teachers of the law of Moses. So, three warnings, three pictures. Let's look at the first one. A narrow gate and a narrow road. I wonder if you can perhaps close your eyes and visualize a narrow gate and a narrow road. What does your gate and your road look like? Is it an open gate or a closed gate? Is it a smooth road or a bumpy road? a straight road or a windy one? Now what would a wide version of that look like? Can you now imagine a wide gate and a wide road? Well that picture of a gate and a road is is a pretty simple picture really. And we know that narrow gates are generally harder to use than wide ones. Same with roads. It's easy to use a wider road than a narrow one. Less can go through the narrow gate. Less can travel along the narrow way. And we do use a related expression in our own language, don't we? And we talk about keeping on the straight and narrow. And we tend to mean keeping on a path that's perhaps more difficult, or even much harder, but ultimately better in some way. And Jesus is alluding to our lives here and calling his hearers to follow a more difficult but ultimately better path to follow him with these upside-down ideas that have gone before. But he does acknowledge 
Most people will not. So how do we take heed of this warning? Well, if few find it, that implies we should probably go out of our way to look for this narrow gate and this narrow way. We're more likely to come across or stumble upon the wide gate and the wide path. So actively looking for the right gate and the right path, as well as walking through it and staying on it, seem important. Well, as we come to the second warning and the second picture, uh, the young people again are going to um, lead us into that. Thank you very much. That was brilliant. And I think that um, makes the next point very, very well. So picture two, if you like, warning two. False teachers, people who lie, people who tell the truth are going to come. We're warned about this. Jesus warns us. and So what should we do? And the obvious answer, I guess, is test it. So do we find ourselves needing to seek out truth, particularly in the media? Something is reported, parties at number 10, Russia and Ukraine, COVID, climate change, whether you're more likely to die taking a selfie or being attacked by a shark. It takes work and effort to get to the truth sometimes, as was just shown here. Questions need to be asked and answered. And tests need to be made. Ultimately, we have to make a decision. What's true? And we may struggle at times to actually get to the truth. And some truths are more important than others. We love to get to the truth, though. That's why we enjoy things like detective stories. Revelations of truth that lead to justice, are often in our stories carried in books and films and perhaps most powerfully in real-life accounts. But we also believe falsehoods readily. The Smithsonian Institute did some research into which stories travel faster through social media, and they found that false information beats true information, traveling about six times faster And most effectively, when the false information was mixed with a generally true report. So we do have to be careful and test, as Jesus warns us, giving this example of the tree bearing fruit. Indicating that prophets, those who claim to speak words of God, and teachers should have their words and actions tested. And I think that very much includes what I'm saying here and now. In some things, we seek and desire truth. And in others, we're not so concerned. And that may be different for different people. So while some may say that a particular truth is okay for you, but not for me, 
they may actually mean that it's not important to them rather than it's not true. So we must distinguish what is important as well as what is true. Having done that, we have to be very tolerant, don't we? Or should we be intolerant? Jesus was tolerant of all people in that he showed love for them. Even those who physically harmed him. But he was not tolerant of all ideas. Those ideas that were false or led to injustice, he spoke out against those. And I think we have to also be careful not to be drawn into thinking that tolerating lies and falsehoods brings the benefit of a good fruit to someone. They will eventually end up tasting and consuming bad fruit. C.S. Lewis considered that if Christianity were true, it would be the most important thing in life. And if it were not true, it's of little or no importance to anyone. And the philosopher Pascal said that it would be foolish to reject Christianity without examination. As if it were true, you have everything to gain. But if it's false, you have nothing to lose. Maybe then an important truth to find out would be, is Christianity true or false? Jesus claims to be God. Is that true or false? Jesus died again and rose again. True or false? These cannot be both true and false. We see them factually. And that's different from opinions, such as, do you think Jesus died and rose again? Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Those are opinions. We all have opinions. Are they based on the truth? Much of our received information is opinion and not necessarily factual. So if we don't test and we're not careful, we start to see opinion as fact. And then we choose the opinion we like. We listen to and watch only the opinions we prefer. And we call it fact, our version of the truth. What we believe is vitally important because we will live by what we believe and not necessarily by what is true. Those people who believe because of what they have seen and being told that Ukraine is being invaded, will perhaps try to halt the invasion. Those people who believe, because of what they have seen and been told, that Ukraine is being set free, will perhaps seek to aid that effort. It is our responsibility to make sure that what we believe is true. We will live by what we believe, and not necessarily 
by what is true. We need to test the fruit. Those of you that want to take a deeper look at contemporary philosophical weighing of truths and falsehoods uh, might find that the, the website, Reasonable Faith, uh, written by William Lane Craig, uh, an interesting place to explore. That's Reasonable Faith. But it is our responsibility to hear and act. And we've been warned by Jesus that there will be truth and lies. And we have a way of sorting them out by their fruits. What they produce that can be tested. If we just pick a fruit at random or accept the one that is offered most widely or the one that everyone else is accepting, could be good fruit, but it could be bad fruit. And so finally we come to warning three or picture three. Jesus warns us here about obedience. Hearing what he says and acting on it. Those who do not will not be in the kingdom of heaven. And this is then illustrated with a picture, a house. A house built on rock and a house built on sand. The storms and the floods and the winds, they all come. As we know they do. Trouble, hardship, difficulty, suffering, adversity, pain. Whatever comes, will the house stand? Same troubles come to both houses, but only one stands, the one built on rock. By the wise man, what has made him wise? Simply this, hearing and obeying the words of Jesus. That's it. There is no other qualification for being wise. That's what makes him wise. Hearing and obeying Jesus. So Jesus calls us to look at the very basis of life. What we build our life upon. Rock or sand. Truth or lies. Our own version of the truth or Jesus' version of the truth. Not only that, he says it's important. If we get it wrong, everything will come crashing down. We get it right, everything will stand. The way we think, what we believe to be true, determines the way we will act. Jesus calls us to listen, to think, to determine, and to act. Put what is heard into practice. So all of Jesus' warnings here require an activity on our part if we take them seriously. Ignoring and dismissing them are the easy option. But that does result ultimately in failure. Look, test, act wisely. They're active things, not passive. These things will not just happen. So we are now in the period of Lent and looking forward to Easter. 
And we know that Jesus goes on to walk the most difficult of all paths, the road to his death by crucifixion. We know that he exposed lies and he tested for the truth. We also know that in his death and subsequent resurrection, he built on rock a kingdom that cannot be washed away or, in fact, ended by any other means. It is sure, steadfast, solid, dependable. It's established in God himself. What an encouragement. We have the ultimate example to follow in Jesus Christ. But more than that, he sends the Holy Spirit to guide us through that narrow gate, to help us stay on that narrow path, to bring clarity in our testing for the truth and to enable and sustain us as we build on the rock. So the difficult and upside-down challenge here at the end of this series, this passage of Jesus' teachings, what's the question? Who... Or what will you live for? Will you look for the best way? Will you test it out? Will you build on solid rock by being obedient to Jesus? If you would like at the end of this series to commit to this upside down way of life, following Jesus and his teaching, building for eternity, then we do have some tea-like candles here. And perhaps you could take one home and place it somewhere prominent in your home, upside down. I wouldn't recommend you try lighting it upside down. Um, But maybe at some point this week, you could turn it over, light it, and pray. Pray about these things. And think again about the upside-down life that we've considered over the last few weeks. After all, if we claim to love Jesus as our King, our Saviour, our Lord, we will surely desire to be obedient. Even if, as his learners, we only just begin to understand the truths of his upside-down kingdom.